0: Amen, amen, a powerful place for us to be led this morning, thank you, worship team. And indeed, stories like that, and even what we're walking through together as a church family here, just can jar me and remind me of that question, do we really believe what we say we believe? Are we about what we say we're about, and does this actually matter? I was talking with someone just this morning, even just the reality of Jesus, that there is you know, religion and structure and services that we hold and tradition and all of these things, but all of that pales in comparison to the person, the person that we follow. Jesus is a real person and He desires life and relationship with us and He is inviting us to know and walk with Him. And as we do that, all kinds of structure comes out of that and good things and good pieces that we do, but it's about Him. And when we know Him, then we can walk through these impossible things that are not fair or things that are reasonable for us to understand. But when we're walking with Jesus, nothing else matters. He is it. He is it. Well, turn with me this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as we turn to God's Word and we're going to explore some exciting and challenging things together today, but this is a passage that we've been reading uh, pretty much every week at this point, and I keep trying to start somewhere else, and I can't. 2 Corinthians 5 is just such a wonderful and beautiful passage, and we're going to start uh, in verse 14 here. 2 Corinthians five fourteen, Paul says this to us, he says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This passage just continues to grow on me as we walk through it and talk about it. It's challenging me, it's encouraging me. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them. And this life isn't for us to have some spiritual, holier-than-thou existence. It's for others. This life He's given us is His for Him. And so now, from now on, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view, and not worldly as in all that bad stuff out there but worldly as in my own brokenness and selfishness and fear and insecurity and sin. The new creation has come and we are made new and all of this stuff is supposed to be gone. So now he wants us to show people who they are, who they were created to be. This new life is for them too and I want to do that. So that's what we've been trying to understand. How do we bring the presence of the experience who God is and how He sees them, to these people around us? And it's been so exciting. I am just loving this journey that God has been leading us on, the ways that He's been challenging me in my own life. And I hope you've been experiencing it too, that you've seen it too. The world around us is changing and the place of the church in the world is changing and This sacred presence, this spiritual reality that God is calling us to see and understand is the world-changing, life-transforming direction that He needs us to see. That He needs us to be. Bringing the joy and the power of His presence into the lives of the hurting and the lost and the broken. The power of the gospel to bring joy. Hope and peace as we stand in the gap, filled with his spirit, imploring people, as Paul says, be reconciled to Christ. And it's growing. This word that God has spoken to us is spreading. As I was with the Leduc ministerial this week and just sitting with those pastors and ministry leaders, and as we were just sharing about what we see God doing in our community, and how we can be praying together. This idea of spiritual presence, of this new role and deeper role, this sacred role, started to come out from each of the person, people that were were sharing there. God's Spirit is speaking to His church. And He's inviting us to stand and reveal His holiness in the world, His beauty and power and love. And as we were praying together as pastors, God just gave me this picture of a person just filled and covered with blazing fire standing in the darkness. The new creation has come. And God's Spirit is here, living in us. And we are a sacred presence, a powerful presence, drawing people to the love of God by the power of His Spirit. Amen? God is at work. And this morning we're going to be continuing to explore this work that he's putting in front of us as we desire to bring his presence into the world. And we looked at the fruit of the Spirit and the prophetic names and power of Jesus and the power of the presence of God made real in the world. And so now we are looking at the power of the presence of God made real in us. As we explore the things that God has given us to do, to live out, this sacred mission, this spiritual presence, the practice of the presence of God. Simple things, but powerful things. Things like serving and teaching and listening and caring. And now this week, we're going to look at another powerful practice, something that God has talked a lot about in His Word, something that Jesus talked about almost more than anything else except the kingdom itself power of money and the practice of giving. Giving and, and tithing is something that can evoke a lot of emotions, it can make us uncomfortable because we've seen ministry workers and leaders in private jets and abuses of trust and resources in so many ways and we can get jaded and frustrated and we can feel even guilty or awkward. We kind of know that we're supposed to, but we kind of struggle and we don't want to. We wonder if we worth, it's worth it, and we know that God said we should, but what is He needed for anyways, and corruption, something, something, and I don't know. It's hard. And our experiences and perceptions are real, but it's a huge deal. Tithing and giving are a critical part of our relationship with God and our experience of who God is, and then sharing Him with others. It's the foundational and fundamental piece of submission and humility and everything that God desires for us. It's transformational and restorational and inspirational, and it all starts with sacrifice. This is the key, this is the root, and it's something that's really interesting. In this journey and something that we haven't really talked about a lot or I haven't heard talked about a lot before. This root of tithing and giving and generosity, this heart of everything that we're talking about here this morning, of all the laws and structure that God put in place later about the sacrificial system and specific portions to tithe and ways they were to be used and on and on and on. And it all started simply with worship and sacrifice. And we're going to look at a ton of different scriptures this morning, so buckle up, try to keep up, but we're going to start right away in Genesis to Cain and Abel, who brought offerings to the Lord. Again, Genesis chapter 4 says, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil, and in the course of time Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And we know how that story goes from there. It doesn't go well. And there's lots to learn and explore in that particular experience. But their instinct right after the fall and after Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden as they begin to work and produce and survive was to worship, to submit, to acknowledge God. And the thing that's so powerful to me that we so often don't pay attention to, but we really should, because it's something that God carried on for many thousands of years, so maybe it's important, was that their offerings were just burned. There was no practical use. There was no ministry being built. There was no purpose as far as humans would see. They just came to God and burned it. What a shame. What a waste. Just burning these things. Shouldn't they have done something good with them? But at their heart, right at the start, was acknowledging God's provision and worshiping Him in this radical sacrifice and total submission. And Jesus reflects this in Matthew 26 when the woman comes to anoint his feet with this expensive oil and Judas gets mad at her and captures that exact sentiment. We could have sold that and given the money to the poor. And yes, he was stealing from it, but that sentiment was right there for us. It's a waste to just burn this. So much good could have come from these things, but Jesus saw more. He saw deeper, he saw what truly mattered, was worship and radical submission. Deuteronomy chapter 8, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his ways, and his decrees that I am giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. You will forget the Lord your God. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant. We didn't build any of it. We don't control any of it. Our power and the strength of our hands have not created these things. It is all from God by His grace, for His glory, for our provision and for His purposes. And so they just burned it. It was for nothing else than worship and saying, God is God and I am not. Total submission. Radical sacrifice. Breaking the back of our pride and our selfishness. Laying it on the altar to just Burn. And this is the starting point for us in the practice of our giving. Tithing is about crushing our spirit of pride and placing ourselves at the feet of our Creator. Seeing that it is His hand that feeds us and sustains us. And anything we have is for His glory alone, not ours. And that's where we must begin with our tithes and our offering is just laying it at God's feet, not concerned with what it's for or how it's going to be used, maximizing our return. Some of that even comes later because there's a process that we're going to walk through here this morning as we pool these resources together. There are ways that we use it, but it has to start for me, in my heart, laying myself and this gift at His feet in my spirit to just be burned for His glory. It's releasing that control, putting myself in the right place to show God and myself that He is all I truly need. Matthew chapter 6, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy, where thieves Break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy, thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Tithing is about setting our eyes on eternity and seeing the reality of the presence of God here, now, today, in our lives, and all around us. And for me, myself, in my own journey, this is why I set up automatic withdrawal. For my tithing, it's just that release of control. Just taking it completely out of my hands. I have submitted and sacrificed. And it's not mine. It's all His. And that way I don't even hesitate. It's just laid at His feet. But however you do, whatever that process looks like for you, this has to be the start, is in our hearts and our spirit, just letting it burn. Breaking our fear and our need for control before the one who provides everything. And so that's where it began in that beautiful and simple place of worship carried forward by stories of Noah and Abraham and Moses burning offerings to God. But as our relationship with God grew and matured and He taught us more and more about who He is and what He's like and what this life is like that He's inviting us into, He gave us His law and taught us how to live with Him, how to worship Him. And He gave us structure. And within that, He gave us not only instructions, but He also gave us promises, too. That our gifts and tithes and offerings weren't just going up to nothing. But He sees and knows and loves our hearts. And He's inviting us into relationship. Not just one-directional worship. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is Malachi chapter 3. And I love this whole book. This whole book, I don't know if, if you've never read Malachi, you should try it. It's really cool. It's such a raw and real book. God is almost, I don't know if we're allowed to say He is or not, but He's almost sarcastic in this book, in the way that He's talking to the Israelites And it's just such an emotional expression of God just going crazy, trying to get them to see, desperately wanting them, imploring them, be reconciled to Christ, imploring them to just embrace His promises. Just trust me, please. What He's inviting us to do and what He is promising for us, if we will just listen, if we will just trust and obey. Malachi chapter 3. Starting in verse 6, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Bring the whole tithe into my house. Test me in this, God says. I dare you. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Amen. Amen. We serve an infinite, almighty God who lacks nothing. He is everything. And if we will just trust Him, we will see what He can do. The blessings we will see in our lives and our families when we live in obedience and humility and submission are beyond compare lives of peace and blessing joy and full relationships i have seen it in my own family and i have seen it in so many places and we have seen what it looks like what lives look like when they are not lived in submission to god and i can testify to this in my own life in my own relationship and journey with jesus for many years when i was younger i didn't tithe properly I was selfish and fearful and all the things. And I would go on retreats or worship nights and be worshiping. And I would pray over and over and over, God, I want more of you. I want more. I want deeper relationship. I want to serve you more. I want to love you more. Take me deeper. I hunger for this, God. And for years, he would just say, tithe. And I felt stuck, and I wanted more, and I tried to serve, and I tried to grow in different ways, but I was just stuck, and I didn't grow in the ways I wanted to, because I was selfish and afraid, and I didn't have much, and I was worried I wouldn't have enough, and so I just didn't. And I would pray, and God would speak, and I would pray, and God would speak, but I wouldn't obey. And when I finally broke, God has thrown open the floodgates of heaven in my life. And I was seeing this releasing of his presence in my life that I had been holding back. It wasn't about stuff. God didn't provide me with fancy cars and all these things. None of that is the point. It was about life. It was about relationships. And I experienced who God is in new and powerful ways that I had been holding myself back from. God is good. And it was good and He wants to flood you with blessings. If we will just submit, if we will just obey, if we will just trust that He will provide, that He is enough. Over and over in Scripture, God calls us to obey Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Leviticus 27, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Every tithe of the herd or flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. Psalm 50, sacrifice, thanks, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. And you will honor me. It's almost like he's trying to tell us something. God is calling us to submit and to give and promises us that he will fulfill everything that he has said if we will obey. If we will let him have control. But how much then? Well, a tithe is a tenth. And a tithe is given first. And this is the consistent measure all through Scripture as the starting point of our giving to him and to the kingdom. Going all the way back again to Abel, giving the first and best. And the story of Abraham and Melchizedek, this fascinating story with this character, we have no idea who he is. And Abraham is one of the most wealthy and powerful people at the time. Read through his story and recognize how many groups of people called kings array against him at different points. Abraham is a big deal. And he comes up to this man of God, this person that is called a man of God, and he just submits. Genesis chapter 14, after Abram returned from de- defeating Keter Lomer, great name, and the kings allied with him. This was a number of armies that came against Abram. He wasn't just a little lonely shepherd with a few sheep. He had a pretty big deal going on. All these kings came against him. and He returned from defeating them. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And once again, as a starting point, he just gave it away. In worship and submission. And that is the measure that God gives for us consistently. Ten percent of what He gives to us is given back to Him in worship, in submission, and in relationship. In the New Testament, it talks about believers at different points selling everything they had and or selling large pieces of property and bringing it and laying it at the apostles' feet and to be distributed amongst the church and build the kingdom and. Those are special cases, and that still happens, and we still see that happening even in our own church today. Beautiful expressions of worship and submission that people give to build the kingdom and, and bless and pour into the ministry here, But as a, and those are special gifts, but as a regular discipline, as a regular act of worship and submission, God is calling us to give 10% and to first in our heart just burn it, to bring it to Him, and Worship and relationship and lay it at His feet, trusting that He will provide. But then also, again, as our relationship with God has continued and as He established His church, it becomes a part of building the kingdom and spreading the gospel. As much as the beginning of our practice began with just burning these offerings, God has created a new ministry, His church, us. His presence on earth, His hands and feet here, together, being and bringing the kingdom into the world. And we share these resources together for His glory and to spread the gospel, to create a space to experience who God is for people in our community going through all kinds of things and to be equipped individually To go out and bring his presence into the world as well. As we worship together and learn together and are discipled together. In 2 Corinthians, Paul calls our attention to the work of the gospel with our resources. And in this beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians 9, he says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And here he talks about ministry. He's talking about what we're doing today. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of your service, by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing it with them and with everyone else. Because of your service, your sacrifice, your faithfulness, others will praise God. Because of your obedience, as we give together and tithe together and sacrifice together and work together, we build something together that allows us to share. And allows others to experience who God is through our staff and our ministries, through our building, through the spaces. We are able to worship and grow together and invite others in to experience the gospel and are equipped to go out and spread the gospel and bring God's presence to them too. It's a beautiful picture that Paul paints for us in this passage of the power of the resources of the church coming together share the love of Jesus with the world. Because tithing is not just about our money. It was a tenth of everything. It's our time and our abilities, our resources, our skills. Giving what we have, what God has created us to be, to build the kingdom and be a blessing to those around us. And again, tithing is just a starting point. It's that breaking of our pride and our fear and our selfishness to release all. All of the resources that God has given us, time and money and energy and abilities, that it can all be submitted to Him and used by Him to bless others, to care for others. It's that consistency of discipline, of dying to ourselves every single time we give to let our lives be fully used by God. Tithing is just a starting point, the entry into a life of obedience filled with blessings. God throwing open the floodgates of heaven that we can see the power of His kingdom released in our lives and all around us. Because He has promised us, if we will just believe Him, that He is enough. So let's come together and give, set it on the altar in our hearts to burn for His glory and let Him take our offerings to build His kingdom together. Amen? Are we ready? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You for the gift of Your presence. We thank you for the gift of your love and for creating us in your image to enjoy life and relationship with you. And God, we ask and invite your forgiveness again for our sin and our selfishness that we have separated ourselves from who you are. And we thank you for the gifts that you have given us that allow us to come back and to experience new life. We thank you first for the gift of your son, for his death and resurrection, bringing us forgiveness and new life. And we thank you for your church, that we can experience together who you are and grow and learn and care for one another, be encouraged and challenged. We thank you for the gift of worship and music, that we can express to you who you are. We thank you for your word, that we can study and understand that you have spoken to us. And we thank you for this gift, this opportunity, this discipline of tithing. That with this unbelievably powerful and practical tool, we can submit again and break again the power of our spirits to be submitted to you. That your spirit can be alive in us. That you can take everything that we are and everything that we have to be used for your glory and your kingdom, your gospel. That hope and life can surround us because you are alive in us. Father God, we ask your forgiveness where we hold back, where we are afraid. We ask that releasing of your spirit. You will challenge and inspire us to trust you, and that as we do, we will see those floodgates opened in our lives, God. That your spirit will be so real that we will experience life and relationship with you in ways we cannot begin to imagine. And that as that happens, God, we will carry that joy, that hope, that life into every relationship we have. We thank you and we praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.